What's up, electric people? Welcome back for another episode. Um, this week we had industry veteran Branson Hadfield on the podcast. Uh, Branson's got like 15 years uh, in the industry. He's currently one of our senior leaders down in Southern California. He runs one of our, our flagship offices and is one of our top producers. So he's got a total of 578 career installs. Uh, runs a team that just did about 1,200 installs last year. Dave Madsen got to sit in with me as co-host. Him and Branson are super tight and have developed a lot in the industry together. Uh, you know, Dave's obviously one of the best to ever do it. And him and Branson are so similar. They're such good friends. So it was awesome to have Dave Madsen co-hosting <laughs> with us for this episode. So really excited for you guys to listen. Uh, this is Branson Hadley. The League presents Electric People. I feel like we're joining you at like your like warm downtown LA loft. It's my loft, guys. I could live here. Hey, if you guys aren't watching this on YouTube or whatever channel we stream on, you need to, because this is the setup. This is sweet. It's, uh, I was wondering if I could live here with my kids. Yeah. And I think the answer is no, I'd have no. to be single for sure. And on a bottom floor. Yeah. Do you remember like back in like summertime when we go out and like you have an apartment, like a third floor apartment and you're just like, got like three toddlers and you're like, this just isn't gonna work. Yeah, toys going down. Then you have to, then if you forget anything, and picking up groceries and all that stuff. We, the inner city life, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, I don't know if you could either. So we're downtown, <laughs> <laughs> we're downtown LA today, fresh off the <clears throat> Save Our Solar Jobs anti NEM 3.0 protest. My first rally. My ever. first rally too. Yeah. One of the things that we noticed is there's a difference in public speaking um, at rallies. Mm -hmm very they got to invoke that emotion yeah i feel like that last guy knew what he was doing he didn't know well second to last guy second to last guy the last guy had a tough act to follow <laughs> yeah. yeah but the uh, state of california is looking to impose some less than favorable uh interconnection i guess regulations and we're protesting that we probably had what like two thousand people what do you think at least yeah, yeah. it was cool too a, a bunch of um just people in the industry you saw people from all over coming and, and supporting. It was, it was actually really cool, cool team event. It was, it was good being out there. It's cool to see, I was, I was talking to Jordan um, in between, cause you know, we had one in LA, one in San Francisco. And I was talking to Jordan, I was like, how many people do you think were there? And he's like, I think Sunrun was like 80% oh, yeah. of the crowd. We probably were, yeah. right? For sure. Like it's crazy to think that like, how much this company has grown to be like, um, just so influential in the solar space. Like and if this, we hadn't shown up, you know, it would have been huge. The the staple of, I'd say the staple of the industry the way we know it, um, for sure. But at least eighty percent. I mean, you saw the shirts all over. Yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, so for some of the people that are listening that maybe don't know your path um, as much, you're divisional district manager in um, Southern California. So. You run one of our top offices out of Riverside with Dave. What's up, Dave Madsen? What's today? up, man? It's been a long time since Dave's been on the mic with us. Hey, co-hosting on my favorite podcast. We just, we just, <laughs> hey guys, we just told people that if you haven't listened to Dave's podcast, Dave's the number one uh, downloaded podcast on Electric People. What were you, episode like four, right? Something like that? It was the early days. Yeah. And do you remember what days. was happening when we recorded that? I remember you were deathly ill. And between takes, you were 
throwing up in garbage <laughs> we cans. We had a trash can under the table. We would pause it. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was so gross. What time of day? Like, was it? I mean, it was like noon. I was just sick. Time. Yeah, uh, just and it was before COVID, so you were allowed to be sick in a public place. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're sick in a public place, like, what is wrong with be you? Ten days before you guys could. Yeah, talk but again. literally, there was a bucket under, and right before Dave came in, I sweetened oh, up the smell well, of the room by puking in a bucket. I'm one of those who can't see somebody else sick. And Ty was sick in front of me. He'd ask a question. He'd reach for the wastebasket <laughs> and try and answer the questions. Yes, I remember. Yeah, that's a fun fact about it. Hey, um, that one, that one was good. Yeah, yeah, that's the most listened to on my on my podcast too, Dave. So right. He just loops through it every couple of weeks. Um, so Dave and Brant's run an office together. They know each other's deepest, darkest, most intimate secrets. And uh, now you, you and Dave run the region together. So a large chunk of Southern California that spans millions and millions of, of residents and, and thousands of accounts every quarter. So it's awesome, man. We worked together a little bit back in the alarm days. That would have been like 2011, 10, 11, 12, 12. Yeah. Yep. And to see like the, the expansion and growth and development as a leader, man, it's been a, it's been a fun ride for, for me to be on. So. Where, where is most of your time spent now? Like a lot of the people that, you know, as the industry gets bigger and bigger and, and there's more stuff to be done, there's more uh, mentorship to be given, there's more people that are joining the industry that, that didn't have the direct sales background as you, where would you say like your, your top priorities are in your, in your role? So that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's evolved. It was now I'm, I'm focused on like when I look on a daily basis, what I spend my time doing, it's it's shifted from being on the doors solo by myself for 80% of the time that I was spent working to probably flipping to about 50-50, but I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable on the doors. And so anytime I'm spending with reps, I find it super valuable being on the doors with them. Yeah and and kind of t- killing two birds with one stone but also knowing that i'm not falling behind in my personal production side of things and then also um just trying to help instill a little bit of of what the i don't know if you call it the grind what the grind is mm-hmm. to people that didn't really grow up in that yeah per se and weren't kind of in that in that industry growing up in their careers yeah like i've noticed in um there's a conversion that needs to happen, right? Like when I, I this is kind of like, you know, every quarter I'll come up with like kind of my message that I take to the teams and stuff. And this, the one this time I've just been thinking about conversion a lot, like not just conversion on like, you know, uh, when you're dealing with individual sales and transitioning and converting them into customers, but there's a real difference between reps that have fully converted to direct sellers mm-hmm. and those that are kind of doing the job. You know what I mean? Like those that have fully converted, they just do things different. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they think different. They're not worried about it being dark outside. They're not worried about it being Memorial Day and working. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they, they work for the number, not necessarily for the standards of the leader imposed on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a few people that come to mind when I think of that, but seeing, because I agree with that, but you, they, they, have to, they have to take kind of a leap of faith on their leader at first and say, hey, I'm going to trust you that whatever you're telling me is is right. And then once they taste it, it's it's yeah. it's game over forever. And so I think a lot of times when I'm talking to mainly um, our reps in Riverside and we're 
Um, I'm just thinking of a few off the top of my head. Who but, are some? Who are some that like? I mean, have, Travis, have Travis Severs comes to my head first off yeah. because you think about his. He came from selling cars, and did he, he sell one of our guys a car? Is that what he it? sold one Sorry, of our guys that guy? was? Yeah, and and it wasn't a, a big hitter, but he was like, "Hey, man, you're really good at this. You should come to the meeting." Right? Comes to the meeting, has no clue what's going on, and I remember. I mean, as Travis does, you guys all know, but it was just. It, He's sitting there and he's like, wait, hold on, hold on, bro. You're telling <laughs> he's me. He's not getting sucked immediately in. No, oh, he's like, wait, you're telling me that I go out and do this, this, and this, and that's the income and the lifestyle that I can, and I just remember seeing it on his eyes. And then he got set up with um, Matt and Nick and got around the leadership team. And these guys just really took him under his wing and then teach him this is all you have to do and he came out and he did 26 welcome calls in his combine Jeez. but from there he always knows if i ever slip or if i ever get away from it and enjoy the lifestyle too much i can always get back because hey i did it before mm-hmm. but i think the trap people fall into is you know monday through friday i'm gonna treat this as any other job i've been in and you can't you almost have to be obsessive about it for 60 days mm-hmm and at least give yourself a chance to to feel that the the drive like other guys ryan curtis in our office he's um for him he had it in alarms right he had that he knew he could go bust it and this is his career and he knew the opportunity there and so he already had it he just needed to turn it on in solar um i could go down the roster of our our top guys but they've all caught that early on in their careers and it gave them a lot of confidence moving forward. I think it's like I think it's like thinking of your business like an owner cuz most jobs you get you're like employed, right? You're 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 building kind of someone else's vision or you're like, you know, you're employed to fulfill a, a need that the business has. But I think like and Travis is a great example, but it's like if you think like you're an owner, it doesn't matter if it's Saturday, it doesn't matter if it's early, it doesn't matter if it's late, it just has to get done, yeah. right? And I think that's one of the keys to maybe unlocking some of the potential that you you help guys unlock is, hey, listen, what are your goals? What are you using the job for? And what do you need to do to hit it? Because then if it's like, if you have a goal to, you know, be at five accounts by Friday and you're at two, you just do it, right? But yeah. that's the conversion piece that I think the sooner reps start thinking like owners and start understanding like, hey, this is your own business. like what do you want to do with your business? It's, it's really empowering, but I don't know, like some people just don't ever flip that switch. Yeah. It was funny. I was having a conversation. We're opening up, um, opening up a little franchise mm-hmm. with one other friend and we're kind of overseeing things and financially backing, but it's a small little thing, but, um, it's not a small little thing, but the guy that's going to is there's a guy that we brought on as a partner to move out and go run the the franchise. He's- Where is it? Where are you, it's where in Jacksonville, Florida. So he's moving to Jacksonville. Yeah. To be the manager of your, it's a crumble cookie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'll run those and it's a big job for him. We're putting a lot of trust in him, but I had a conversation with my friend the other day and we were saying, I, I said it verbatim, is he's he's thinking as an employee right now because that's mm-hmm. all he's ever been. Mm-hmm. And I, we need him to think more like a business owner. Luckily, we're early on, had a conversation this morning and it's it's moving that direction. But that is, there's a huge difference between I'm collecting a paycheck and I'm making my own opportunities 
Um, and I think that's, that's the difference. Have, how much of that have you noticed in yourself? I've like I've, being an <clears throat> like thinking like an employee versus like having this be your business that you own and run. I've never ever thought of it like an employee. I, I can't like, I've, I've joked with Dave before. I think I've had, cause he lasted, how long did you last at your real job? Your real job. <laughs> hey man, I sported that suit and tie for a good three months. I think you told your story on there, yeah. but like very similar. Like I felt like I needed a real job at some point. What's and a real job? What is a real I'm job? Cool. I'm, I've got yeah, quotations. You if, definitely, if it's just funny though, right? Like it's the professionalism. So growing yeah. up, my, my, I remember being in Chicago and downtown Chicago, we go to Chicago every summer. And my family's all out there, they're all contractors. So they do remodels or concrete or whatever. So I'd always go work. And then we go to the, the what I thought were the nice neighborhoods and we were doing their concrete work or whatever. And we went down into the city and I just remember as like probably 11 year old kid, I was like, man. Just that child labor going on. That building right there, like those people, like he's got a suit, he's got a briefcase, mm -hmm. you know, coffee walking into the office. That was the real job for me. So then all growing up and going through college, when I did this, it was, it was the best opportunity, but it wasn't a long-term opportunity. It was always a, hey, I'll make a, a good amount of money, work really, really hard um, so I can get my degree and go get a real job. And then when I did, I, did, I lasted a month and a half. At what was your real job? My real job. So I worked at Domo. Oh, okay. So did software sales for a month and a half. And then I actually worked at what's now Podium. I was their first, second sales guy for, I lasted like a month and Wait, a half. Wait, how long did you last at Domo? Month and a half. And then you went to Podium? No, then I went and sold for two more years. Okay. And then I was like, do I still need a real job? <laughs> and went again and went into Podium for um, a month and a half, maybe two months. And, but the whole time for me, I felt stifled a bit because I, I wasn't able to, um, wasn't able to do it my way. Mm -hmm. Not that I needed to not listen to somebody else, mm -hmm. but I had to be in the office when they said be in the office and dressed a certain way. And it just like, it gave me a headache. I remember yeah. my shoulders hurt just like, I just had a headache every day. I just didn't like it. Because of the way, because of the apparel or because of like, oh, yeah. this is like, you look down apparel. you're like, what am I wearing? What, what's going so on? So now I get to wear shorts and a t-shirt and that's the reason I'm hey, here. Hey, listen dude. though, listen, there's something to that. Like when I, when I, the other day I was, I was talking to this group and I was like, what did you want out of life when you were 17? Just for some reason, 17 came up and I was like, well, it'd be pretty cool if I didn't have to wear a tie. Like for some reason, Right? Because what's a tie? It's just like a little flappy thing. Like, why is that nice? Right. Like, somebody just decided at some point that this little fabric tongue is what looks good. It's yeah. not a thing. And then, and then, like, uh, okay, so, and then I was like, I probably want to have like a cool car. Like, that'd probably be cool. And then maybe like a like a like a family would be awesome. And yeah. it's like, I looked down and I'm like, dude, nobody really cares what I wear to work, which strangely matters. I have a pretty cool car and then I have this house and family. It's like people don't realize it's you got like, what man, you wanted. You got it. 17 year old you would be so stoked to look 15 years ahead or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You manifested it. I mean, I should have manifested higher. I should have shot a little bit higher. <laughs> mine, mine was 
Um, I want to go to a restaurant and get guac and not have to worry about how much it costs. <laughs> and I, I want my car to run and never break down. I want my car to never break down on the freeway or have to worry about that. I feel like we're going to go talk back. to the 17 year olds and be like, hey guys, give them you to me and then we're going to level these up yeah. about 10 clicks, yeah. you know? Yep, no kidding. That's funny. That's awesome. So uh, you did two and a half months total stint in the corporate world. Yeah, it just wasn't. And, and when I realized it, there were a few times in my life. So I studied accounting at BYU. Um, I got my master's degree in it. And when there, there's a point at when, when you're kind of in that track and you know this, but when you're in that track, you're getting recruited by different companies. And I remember sitting on my bed in my first apartment, um, being married and I had a, a an internship set up and it's kind of like you accept this internship. It's pretty much a job offer. If you don't screw it up, just show up on time and do your best. Is that a paid thing or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they paid in college terms. I mean, 10 years ago, it was 20 bucks an hour. So it was mm -hmm. like everyone was clamoring for, for these jobs, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I remember calling the guy and just saying, Hey, I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I decided, and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go out and sell. And I remember talking to my wife, Shelly, and I'm like, just trust me because I promise I'll work my tail off all the time, but this is going to be maybe a little unconventional and people might think it's a little weird, but just, just trust me. Like I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And luckily she did. She's always, she's always been like that. Just, you know, fully trust me, whatever we do. But, um, and from that point, I never really looked back, but then every couple of years I had an itch and like just wondered. Yeah. Um, and so that's all I lasted. Yeah, I think I think if you if you kind of think like that or have a have a like kind of know your worth, it's weird, but it, you still get kind of pulled that way. And a lot of like this show is is, you know, what we really want is for the people that are at different phases of their their development to hear people that have been through the same things, because I think it surprises a lot of like even like newer reps and stuff to think like they think their situation is so unique. Like, oh, I have this job, so it's different than everybody else. I have this offer or no, you don't get it. I always grew up thinking this or learning this. And what you realize is every leader has had those same thoughts. Every leader has wondered, is this really what I want to be doing? Or is this prestigious? Or am I just doing my college job still? But the, the, what's valuable is the mindset, right? The people that can look at this and say, you know, um, I, was, I was talking to a young leader the other day and I was like, think about your team as your own business that somebody else is assuming all the risk for. Right. Like it'd be like if someone said, hey, I have this business, I will give it to you. You can take advantage of all the upside and everything like that. And I'll fund all the risk. I mean, that's really that's really the job. But so few people think of it that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it takes a while. I mean, there's there it, it takes a while to break whatever you grew up with. It was funny. We had uh, one of our good friends was in town the other night and the Enneagram. Is mm -hmm. that the everybody's talking about the Enneagram lately? Well, Branson so we were talking about it. I, In the Enneagrams, it was, it was really house. enlightening to me too. It's yeah. awesome. And so th there's the test, but then, you know, she goes into the book and she's like, what's like, what's your, what, what's your reason for 
pushing for success. She, like she diagnosed me and said what I was. Did you like stuff. have somebody take you through it? Like, is there like a, like a Enneagram, like employee person or coach or whatever that takes you through the test? This person didn't. No, this was just one of our good friends oh, that had oh, read okay. the book. You were just talking to yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Cause you can do that on Enneagram. You can like take 20 bucks and like take the test or some like professional can like guide you through it or well, something. And they say that friends or family members are good to help you answer. Cause mm-hmm. we might think we're one way, but then other people are like, wait, like in yeah. these situations, you actually totally. do this. I think you're really this. Um, but as we're talking, she's she just asked that question. I'm like, so she just asked what, like, what's your reason for pushing for success? And I'm like, well, it's for sure not title because I don't, I, I don't strive in in that department. Um, but when you talked about your your mindset, like we grow up with these mindsets of. As we're kids, we grow up in families and you have different, you see different things. You know, I'm looking at these people walking into the buildings thinking mm-hmm. that's the measure of success. Another mm-hmm. kid might look at that and say, my dad hates his life and he does that. Yeah. I am, I'll start my own contracting company any day of the week, you know? Sure. Yeah. And, and so it takes a while to break that mold. But I, I realized growing up, it was always, I always felt like it was, we were on unsturdy ground and it's been the best blessing to ever think of it like that way or to think of it that way growing up you felt like you were financially unstable yeah yeah love support you know the the um just like our our family how close we are and that kind of thing was never a question but the the stability financially was always like we don't know so again the reason for um some of my thought process was early on in my career i was like I was, I was almost more frantic and more, Mm. I have to, I I have to save enough money and have enough so that if, if anything happens, like I'm okay. Like Mm -hmm. I never wanted a bill to go unpaid or not be able to change my tires or stuff like that. And so I did. Do you guys have a lot of cars break down or something back in the day? It keeps oh, coming dude, back to like, how many times were you stuck on the side of the road? Well, you just said you didn't want your car to be broken down. It's like these tires, man. I gotta stay ahead of the tires. Dude, that was that was the thing. It was it, it was it was it was a thing. Then uh, you buy a car without a spare. I know. Get get out of here. Luckily, I have AAA. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I ain't worried about that stuff yeah. anymore. No more. Um, but I couldn't look anywhere else other than like in 2011 we were selling and my wife was like hey you should like we're just newly married she's like hey we should exercise together or something i'm like babe i have 100 days and i'm not thinking about one thing other than selling and so i legit she we laugh about it to this day chicago chicago we laugh about it to this day but she's like i don't understand you in that like now looking back and I don't understand it either. Like why not try to feel better? I would eat yeah. a McDouble fries and a Coke and I would sell four That is every so foreign day. to me that you would, I don't think I've ever seen you put an unhealthy thing in your mouth ever. I wouldn't touch that now, but that was my only focus. And so in other parts, it stifled me in my growth mm-hmm. because I was, not operating from a scarcity mentality. I knew if if I worked hard, God would put the wind in my sails and I would be in the right position to, to, to be okay. And it takes time to learn those lessons. But as far as I look back on some of the um, people I brought out to come sell with me 
and I regret me not being a better mentor and helping them see what they can do. I mean, brother, uh, brothers, uh, friends, family members, a lot of people I feel like, man, give them to me now. Yeah. And I'd, dude, I'd, I'd make you a great salesperson. But then it was like, hey, I don't really have time because I got to like, I got to, I got to go do this myself, you know? And I would just kind of throw them to the wolves and I regret it. But don't you think like, obviously that's that's a positive sign of growth, right? Like if you're not embarrassed by the way you thought or worked, you know, 10 years ago, you're probably not that farther ahead. Like you think about it, it sure. could be applied to like, I think about that with money all the time. I'm like, man, like, you know, now like I'm really active and I'm trying to learn stuff and trying to be on the cutting edge. I'm like, man, give me this opportunity 15 years ago oh, yeah. again and see what I do with it. You know, I think everybody feels like that to some degree, but did you ever, what did you, um, did I overhear you today say you're a three on the Enneagram? Yeah, I think so. Is that- Three is like a um, performer, right? Like that's yeah. like a, that's like a achiever. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the achiever. Yeah. Um, have you taken the Enneagram? No. I'm sure you're a three. Well, he sent me a book you're 100%. yesterday. You're, he's 100% he's a, three. a three. Do you know, do you know what I am? Do you know all the levels? So I don't know them, um, no, but I know what, what what my people are. Yeah. Okay. I know, okay. I know my tribe. Okay. Yeah. So did your wife take it? She's, um, what is she? She hasn't taken the test. She's reading the book mm. first. Oh, and then taking the and test. And then gonna take so the test. So she's like saying, oh, am I this or am I that? Mm -hmm. Have, has Jess taken it yet? I don't know. You, don't you should so. take the Enneagram with your wife. So my wife just took it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't remember why we were talking. Oh, we had Hart Logan on, um, Dave Logan's wife wrote Tribal Leadership. She was, yeah. She's an executive coach. And uh, she loves the Enneagram. And a lot of like professionals now love it because yeah. it's like, it's a personality test, but it's really like work heavy. It's like, this is how you perform and show up yeah. to work and stuff. And so um, I was talking about with Stacey and I was like, you should take this. And it was crazy because I, so I was on a road trip when she got her results and she sent them to me. Mm -hmm. And so because I was driving, there's people on YouTube and stuff that will break down, yeah. you know, this is what it means to love a four. Uh, Stacy is a she's a four, and um, I'm a seven, which is like the enthusiast, right? And it's so funny because and you value freedom. I value freedom, but it's yeah. So it's 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 awesome because I I value like opportunity, like okay. open, like blank canvas, like yeah. the ability to like you know create stuff. Yep. But then uh, you know it shows you what your tendencies are, and so when I was like looking to it, it said um, you know a seven at its worst is gluttonous, and I was like gluttony. It's such a weird word. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, nah, this is wrong. That's not me. I don't like pig out. Like right. I'm not a glutton. But then I think, and it's like, man. And so I was sharing this with Stacy, and she's like, are you kidding me? That's totally you. And I was like, how in the world? And she's like, anything you do, you go, go into hard. 200% from yeah. the way you like get into surfing and mountain biking and the way you hot tub, like you're so, yeah. you, you escape through that. And I was like, I learned a lot about myself, but then when uh, hers is a four and a four is like, they have to be true to themselves and mm -hmm. like, they Authentic. cannot be, yeah. And they cannot be inconsistent with themselves. And so the other day we were having this like discussion and I was like, you are being such a four right now. Like you are literally like just <laughs> such a four. A discussion. Yeah, a discussion, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've been married for 15 years, that's what we have now. Yeah. But it's really helpful to like, and you know, the group that was in here earlier, we just did a leadership retreat and they were talking about having their guys yeah. take the Enneagram. And I remember Sean Brenchley had me take a leadership test or a personality test forever ago, mm -hmm. because he's like, I, I want to understand you and why you think the way you think so I can know how to lead you. And everybody's so different. Like there are, 
when they're in your, if there are a three, I get it. Yeah. Like we'll laugh about stuff sometimes and it gets to the point where it's weird because I'm mentioning something as Dave's texting me what I'm texting. Like we're a lot of times we're on the same, same page. Right. Um, but you have to know and understand what makes people feel a certain way and what motivates them or, um, I guess what, what their core, you know, core values, just like you say about, about Stacy, like what she, she has to be true to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you would help someone differently as a four than you would a three. Yeah. hundred percent. So I can't believe those tests though. Like, you know, like every time I'm taking them, I second guess myself. Cause I'm like, you know, there's, I always say there's like a war inside of me. There's just like creative like guy and then there's this producer guy and sometimes they fight when i take those tests yeah and so like but but they also nail me like do you feel like that like when you take it you're like oh this is totally yeah and then you say and then shelly will always i'll almost look at her as we're reading through the stuff just give her she's she's like like 100 (laughs) that's you you know but you can be bad versions of 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 that and you can be a good version of of that like there's the gluttonous type then there's the type that the person's absolutely creative and can take something you have to tell me a plan like Mm -hmm. tell me what's the goal here and 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 then i'll take a plan and then i'll rework the plan almost like a house Mm -hmm. and i feel like you could take a house and build it from the ground up or design it i would need a floor plan and then i'd say no i don't like that room and i'd move things around but I almost feel like that in in my job or in a lot of things in life. I am very good at following a plan, mm. but I need a plan. I can't. That's interesting. Don't hand me something blank because some totally it opposite. Me out. I need to know the end goal, but I don't want a plan. Oh, I make plans, sure. but I don't hand me a plan. Yeah, it's weird. Like, but I think I think it's really valuable. I think it's really valuable to know your people. And one of the things about your guys's team and region is you guys are you guys are known for having good rep productivity. Like the peop- the individuals perform better, uh, you know, as a per rep average in you know in your office in general and in the region. And also. <laughs> And it makes sense, two threes. I'm assuming you're a three, Dave. You haven't taken the test, but I would you be shocked. You don't know me. I'd be shocked if you weren't. Dave's, Dave's, Dave's the king of the threes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. it's not bad. A lot of like type A red personalities are, are you know, type threes. But it's, it's interesting how the culture follows the leader, right? And maybe it's the people that you attract and maybe it's sure. the, you know, the mindsets and stuff like that. But where do you think most of your leadership development, you've always been a great seller. You've always been incredibly motivated. You always handled yourself. The biggest difference that I've seen, and I bet Dave has some opinions on this too, um, over the last, especially like five years, is is your your mindset when it comes from like the the leadership perspective. So where do you, where do you think you've developed or had the most like aha moments in the opportunity as far as leadership goes? It's a good question. Um, I think one thing that's helped, just one thing that comes to mind, I guess with my mindset, but it's also helped in in leadership, is the value of staying put and staying the course on um, with an opportunity. So I had one, Swick one time, I think told you when I was coming over here, he's like, ah, don't worry about Branson, he's just a rental. Yeah. And like, yo, you know, those things like when, when, you know, you're little and somebody says something like, 
Yeah. You know, oh, he's got those love handles. You know, like, there's things that sting. Like, oh, he's, Hold on. He's, Did someone once tell you you had love handles? No, one time my dad was wearing one now. I was wearing Air Force Ones. One. And my dad, I heard my dad whisper, look at his, his, his calves are the same size as his ankles. Oh, <laughs> said, bro. No. So there's a few things that like, oh, dang, okay. Hey, I'm glad that worked because you're still here. Well, I think about that all the time, though, because we were going through a ton of transition. What was this, 2016? Yeah. yeah. 2016, Spring. we needed a leader. We needed a dynamic leader. Branson, uh, felt like we hooked Branson for a second. And I remember asking the question straight up. I'm like, hey man, listen, you were a top performer at Vivint, but then there was like dealer one and dealer two. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I need, I need a ride or die here, mm -hmm. you know, to, to build this thing. And so I remember asking you and it's like, come on, man, I'm in. I'm in. And look. Well, and it it was so when i came when i when i came to do solar i was i was in kind of limbo but i always knew i could go make enough to cover the bills and 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 we had two kids at the time we moved to california before i was doing solar we just wanted to be in california um but i remember thinking when i when i came over i was like you know i just want to i, I want to switch it up a bit i want to hang out with people that maybe think a little bit differently. And so a lot of it, I mean, obviously it was, it was Dave and I at that time were running the show. Luckily we've, we've uh, attracted the our, our leadership team right now in Riverside that's, that, you know, Nick and, and, and Matt and even all the guys on our team. But in the beginning it was just, I'm gonna go learn a little bit about some mentality and just keep my head down and not look up because I, I would find myself always kind of, I'd do well and then I'd, hey, what's over there, you know? Mm -hmm. And learning the value of, of, you know, the grass is greener where you're watering it and it's, um, and, and staying put in something for a long time to see, to see the fruits of, um, of, of seeing something through. Mm. Now I've lived it, and so I feel like I can really speak to it with a lot of conviction to, um, to my team. So to touch on that, you've lived it. You came in, built the team, built a region, and then what, year and a half ago, I think was the first time that you experienced maybe that time where it's like, hey, maybe I am looking around a little bit. I, I'd love to hear about that experience because yeah. you're that guy if you're to talk to our team and anybody who knows you, like Br Branson is this principled man, he's committed, he's loyal, he's well-rounded. And you know, at the time, like it threw me, it blindsided me. I'm like, Branson, like that guy would never go anywhere. Yeah. So I'd love to, I'd love for everybody to listen and hear from you about kind of how you processed all that. And, and ultimately the end result is you're still here. So I, I laughed, I said, I, I, uh... I don't cause any problems or, or Riverside never causes any problems or anything. And then Nick and I were joking that I caused Dave's bloodshot eye or, or popped a blood vessel in his eye. Yeah. That was a time months. for me, Branson. Don't so, do that to Dave again. <laughs> hey, I'll never do it again. He no. took a little work, but the, Dave is the one that was hey, really- Hey, but sometimes you know. he's got he's to earn it. Come on, Dave. No, chase me. I, you know, I like the chase, okay? Um, no, it was so, as I'd been here, what, since 2016, this is last year, right as the merger was happening. And as I was looking at it, 
there were a lot of unknowns. So anybody that was here at that time, you know, if you had been here forever, that was an amazing time. Um, and but there was still a lot of change. And I guess the question that went through my head was, hey, if Sunrun is kind of taking the lead on this, like, do I want to be in the direct sales channel or do I want to be do I want to be with a leader or with a dealer? Mm-hmm. And and, you know, the standard stuff, the dealer, the, the stack and all the different red sure. line talk and all that stuff. And so for me, it was really is this the right spot for me? It was never, am I surrounded by the right people? But it was almost like, hey, I'd kept my head down for four and a half years, you know? It, it, am I stupid to not look around and see? And then there was obviously, there was, I was laughing the other day, there was significant money thrown out there, like very significant, where it caused me to, I, I don't wanna be an idiot, right? And and. But at the same time, as I as I went through it, it was. I just wanted to make sure I was in the right position and and positioned correctly with the right company. And I didn't know Sunrun, other than we competed with them. And I yeah. thought we were losing my my guys at Vivint. We weren't going to be this sales team anymore. We weren't going to be able to keep the same culture. We we're going to take on their kind of more. Um, I don't know what kind of culture they have, but I perceived it as maybe more professional, more financiers, you know, but <laughs> yeah. like very smart people working, making the business work and and we're going to lose this sales culture. Um, and as I as I went through that, I just remembered I want to I, I want to work with the people I want to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been proven in in what what we've done for the past four and a half years. And the other side of it is it wasn't worth ruffling feathers and ruining friendships because my life is work and life is yeah it's all it's a blurred line and i love it that way um and it would just change some things not because i mean if i went and worked somewhere else dave and i would still be friends but we wouldn't be hanging out in a loft in la all day today and and solving problems and and I get to do that with you know my best friends so that that was that was a big piece of it Dude, I've heard that before like um, you know it's a relatively small industry like most of us know each other even if you know other companies and things like that and I've heard it said before like oh if you if you leave the company they'll cut you off they're not your friends anymore and it's like well I don't feel that way about anybody but <clears throat> what you just said is it's like no I just like, what time is it right now? Who knows? I don't know. Who cares? What time did you get up and talk to David for? I don't know. doesn't matter. Like, it's just life, right? And so it's not that they're cut off. It's just we're working on something, right? And you happen to every everything is so relevant to the people that you're closest with and you happen to work with. Yeah. Like, it, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I'm just committed to growing the business and living my life. And if you if you're if we're working on it together you get the added benefit of a lot of association but outside of that you have to find time for it. it's just harder yeah right it's it, it's one of those things where i think i remember talking to you during that time and it's it's one of those things where i think eventually everybody has to know if you're going to be a significant leader you have to know why you're there because the income and the opportunity is good for a while but then once you kind of beat the the level of the game you know so we have the league which the league is our sales platform it's a reward system and a promotion system for people to come up yep. in the game and whatever 
But you get to a certain point where you kind of beat the, the, the game, you max the, the highest level, and then at that point, it's your job to administer the game to everybody else. Now it's like, okay, I've proven that I can play personally at the highest level. Now, the next challenge is how many people can I get to the highest level, right? And I think there's a time before you start really dominating at that game, that you have to look around and just 100% believe because you're gonna be, as a leader, you're exposed to more. You're, you, you know more about the threats mm -hmm. because you just have higher level conversations about what competitors are doing. You you are privy to things like, you know, this, this political movement that we're involved in today, right? Like as a rep, you don't think about that. You're like, man, someone will figure it out. Yeah. Here we're like, well, we better show up and, and, and be the ones to, to you know, make our voices heard. The other thing is you, you start to have more opportunities that you, you have different people reaching out to you once you've proven that you can perform at the highest level. And so it's like some people look at it like, how could you ever have thoughts of, am I in the right place? But once you grow and develop, that skill set is something that's, I mean, leadership is just such a rare and valuable trait yeah. that everybody wants it. So people don't really know what they would do once they get to that level. But I do think it's important to know why you're there because once you once you get to the top of that mountain and look at like the rest of the journey, it's freaking hard and you have to know why you're there because it's not a pay scale, right? Like you don't you don't compare money anymore yeah. you don't look at what the what the individual momentary temporary pay scale is at another place you don't look at what trips are they offering you or what cash but you just stop and so eventually it's like you know it's like your marriage where it's like listen i am here regardless right we're doing this let's roll but it, it is very important to get to that point because once you get to that point i think you break through another level which is really what i've seen from you yeah no that it was the best it was the best experience i could have had for my career moving forward. It was almost like, hey, I have to, in order to get to another level, and I'm nowhere near there, I know there's different things I need to work on. And, but to get to another level, I had to, I had to go through that and know why I was there. And it was, I battled. I mean, conversation after conversation with Shelly, with, you know, Nick, with Dave, you, and, my biggest thing is I hated even getting you guys out at 11. I was like, guys, don't do this. Like, please not on, on my account. But for me, it was, and I look back now, hindsight's 2020. glad I made the right choice. Sure. But the biggest thing for me is, and I would tell myself this as well, who do I want to work with? Um, and, and why would I want to change that right now? It, it was, and, and then it, bring someone in off the street day one where they gonna have the best chance to succeed? Cause that yeah. ultimately is how I have success now. Yeah. And there's just, there was zero question. Yeah. Right. I remember I had a brief like solicitation, we'll call it from Solar City before they went out of business. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because this is where I learned this piece where they said, you know, we'll give you this. This is what the offer could look like. And I learned two things from it. Number one, the offer sounded like a lot of money. But when I looked at the risk, if I multiplied it out, I was like, okay, that offer, it's, it's a lot, it's great, but that's like three or four years of income. Mm -hmm. What happens if I'm gonna be here forever, so what happens if in three or four years you're not? Now all of a sudden, that's a really yeah. costly deal. Yeah. The other thing that I learned is oftentimes competitors, especially under-resourced competitors, will try to make it good for you. We'll give you this. Oh, yeah. We'll give you a bonus, we'll give you autonomy, we'll give you whatever it is. 
But what you just said is as a, as an individual, like if you're a, if you're a lone wolf or an individual performer, that actually is just fine. That works. That's, that's what you want. But as a leader, you can't do it's like, hey, come coach our team and then we're not going to give you any resources. And Doesn't so work. you're not going to have success because you have to make it better for the players. And then inevitably you're taken care of. Yep. But if you take care of the coach first, you can't accomplish your ultimate goal. So imagine had you done that and you were under resource, you probably would have been fine. You would have been successful. You would have done well at whatever you would have done. But ultimately, if you can't answer the question of how is this better for the people that I'm I'm in charge of developing, that's a rough situation. Well, I would tell myself stories in it. When you're Mm -hmm. in that, you don't you're not stepping back and looking at the situation logically. Right. You're in a I mean, you're two, three months into thinking about things and you just like you overthink. Yeah. And you think of every scenario and you're like, well, maybe it is better if this so and so. But like really, in the end, where is a person going to have the most likelihood to have success? It's in Riverside, right? That's where I feel super, super confident. Mm-hmm. And if my job is going to be a leader there or a leader here, what am I doing? Because it's geared towards a lot of it is helping that individual and then, you know, keeping more of the override or whatever it is. But you can't. You, you can't, it's not sustainable. And so, I mean, looking back, it's, it's, um, I know I made the right decision and it was good that I had that concrete, you know, kind of, I just know it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting too, that I'd like you to can... take this opportunity to apologize. <laughs> to Dave Listen, man. Dave and I saw Dave this this morning. I was on the phone with a rep the other night. It was pretty late. I was on the phone with him pretty late. And he said to me, he said, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like that you're having to talk to me about this and it's whatever time at night. And when I, when I talk on the phone, I walk. Uh-huh. So it's like, I'm just out in my neighborhood and like dogs are barking as I'm walking by him and my wife's texting me. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm putting in laps. Like, and so this, this rep was like, hey, I'm so sorry that you're doing this. And I was like, no, this is what I actually do for a living. Like this podcast and like visiting the teams and selling and stuff, that's all like, I do that. But the breakthroughs and like, I've just, I've been down that road. I've been talked to by competitors. Dave's been talked to by competitors. I've had to think through it. I've had moments where I haven't been as mentally strong. Yeah. And one of the things that I also noticed about the story and you mentioned this, but one is you start to overthink, you discount the value of relationships, you can't see the good situation that you're in, yeah. you know, um, but also you stop producing. And when a salesperson stops producing because you're wondering, well, should I do another account at this company? Because if I'm not gonna be here, I need to take time to figure this out. You get weird. You get freaking weird yeah. and you stop getting your, your you, you, you're off the chemical cocktail of, of you, positive feels and productivity you're not, you're that you're confident. usually on. I'm not confident. And then yeah. when I'm operating from that, that spot of not being confident because I know I'm not doing daily what I should be doing. I'm yeah. out of whack. My yeah. schedule's wrong for an achie- for a three. That's really bad. Yeah. That's really bad. It's funny, dude, back to the Enneagram because it'll say when a three's off, they show up like this, right? And I don't know what the three goes to and I don't remember what I go to, but it's really, yeah. it's really insightful because it's like, dude, you get a three out of whack and it shows up like this. And that's where my wife's like, that's, yeah. that's you. Yeah. So it's like, I got to stay away from that side of, um, Hey, I don't want to, um, I don't want to stop talking before I give a shout out to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Angel. Is your mom, what's your mom's first name? Angel. Oh, she's an angel and she's angel. Yes. So I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I'm an, I'm a, I'm an angel fan. Yeah. 
because I know the story. I just know, like, I think your mom's super cool. I really think this. I've seen pictures of your mom on doors with you. Yeah. Right. I know that, you know, she, she raised you and like, maybe she's the one that had the car that broke down. Which yeah, is, yeah, she had a few. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and the reason that I bring that up is you find a way to get the job done and to get the job done, like in your life and in your family and stuff, probably as well as anybody. Like I know, like you always hit the numbers. You always uh, fulfill the responsibilities. You're yeah. always there for all the guys, but you, you're, you're a real and guy where a lot of people are like, well, my kids are getting older. I have to go to their soccer games. So I can't develop people and I can't produce. Sure. And it made me think about like, I know, well, you can tell a story about your mom, why she's on doors, but I also know she uses the nice sunscreen as like a fellow redhead. And I respect that. She does. She uses that Neutrogena stuff. It doesn't clog up your pores. There's nothing funny about a sunburn. Nothing funny about a sunburn, dude. (laughs) Um, So she, so my, my mom lives, so my family, my mom and dad, they both live up in Idaho. They've been in Utah as well. So they've, they've always lived further away from us, Um, but they, they have flight benefits because my dad worked at the airline and so they, my mom frequents, like mm-hmm. she's she's in town often. Summertimes, she's a school teacher, so summertime she'd be down for, for a long time. But before, when, when she came out with me that, I think you're talking about, it was years ago, right? Yeah. It was early. I just had, um, I was, she came to town and she really wanted to hang out and I really wanted to hang out. But I had to. I, I think I was, you guys were in a contest. I was I obsessed. Yeah, yeah. I was in a maybe it was like a streak contest oh, or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. you had to do it every day. You couldn't yeah. break a day. That's what it was. Because I think I took my kids to an account and they spilled popcorn everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this Hispanic family. You made, think it's going to be such a good experience? And oh, then you're like, what was I thinking? But it was an AC. This one wasn't even a close. I'd never met these people and kids spilled everything. But yeah, I think it was that competition. But my mom came to town and and I was like, hey, just come knock with me. Just come hang out. We'll, we'll just chat. And she was like, okay, great. And we still talk about the sale we got because mm-hmm. it was this sweet lady and her husband had PTSD from the military. And she ended up talking to my mom and telling her the whole life story. Totally got the deal because of her. You're she just also, writing the contract that yeah, she's talking. Yeah. <laughs> and that that family moved and she's kept in touch with me. We set up the new house. Like that day alone was just, it was a huge day. Mm. Um, but I mean, she even got fiery and just telling me how to do my job. Like, oh, she, okay. <laughs> You're like, Angel, okay, I want the company. I don't want the advice. I'm a like, professional. Okay. <laughs> this is what I do. <laughs> like, listen, every day. But she was like, you got to let them know that it's free. <laughs> and, and this guy was like, get out of here. You know, and I was, I was just out of there. I was like, I don't have time for him. And she's like, sir, sir. And like trying to stop the door. I'm like, mom, let it loose. I mean, she's 5'4", 110 pounds. Like yeah. she's, um, but it was, it was fun having her out there. Yeah. It's such a cool thing. Ty, to, to piggyback on a comment you just made, because we have to, we have to talk about this before, before we end. Branson has a superpower. What's your superpower, Branson? I don't know. It's not that you rap, okay? That's not no. your superpower. You, thought, you got nervous for a you second. Hey, Branson Hatfield raps. He does rap. <laughs> so Branson's superpower is, you know, on the podcast, on this podcast, we talk to high performers that have uh, high IQ and really impressive mentality and approach to what they do. Branson is like that annoying guy that is so productive at like every aspect of his life he's the guy where you show up to his birthday party and he just smokes you at ping pong and then you go to san jose for a leadership thing and you get smoked at pickleball yeah. oh, and uh except doubtful. for except for ty beat us yeah 
You got lucky. I did because I got smoked. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, Branson, from a product from a production standpoint, he's among the very best to ever do it. He's recruited top talent. The his ability to connect on a deep personal level with reps is I've never seen it before. His ability to um, invest wisely, church responsibilities, family life, the the amount of time and attention your kids get, Shelly, like, I think the listeners need to understand, like, how is it possible to be so productive at a really high level in all aspects of life? Because I think a lot of people think you have to be entirely out of balance and you can be really good and proficient at one thing. But that's Branson's superpower, is his ability to be high level at, I mean, up at 5 a.m., teaching church stuff to the kids, you know, thinking outside the box on how to grow Riverside, like developing leaders, outselling everybody, taking them with him. It's just the days are so incredibly full. And when I look at these buckets, you perform at the highest level in all of them. It's uncanny. It's crazy. And so I, I think people need to get in your head for a second, understand like, how is that possible, first of all? And what's your approach going into a day? Because that's your superpower. Dude, that's, I mean, that's a great compliment. Um, man, I, that it's hard to pinpoint. Um, it's hard to pinpoint, like, as I'm just thinking through, I don't, I'm not, uh, my calendar is sloppy. Like, it's very. See, that surprises me. It is. We're off to a It's pen and paper. Start. It's not digital. You it's, use a, a an analog calendar? If I showed you my notes, like you would laugh. And I need to graduate. I probably need to expand a little bit. Um, but I guess it's just what, what matters to me. Um, it's well, growing up, people would ask, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I like had, I had no idea. I. I think as I got older, I was like, I want to own a business. And I really do feel like I, I do that now. You know, some people might say you still work for a company, but I feel like I own a business. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but I remember thinking, I just want to be, I just want to be a dad. I don't know. I remember like that is, that gives me a lot of joy. The fact that we get to do our job and have the mornings, I think is... Uh, for me, it's it's the best thing because mm-hmm. I I get to hang out with Shelly and our four kids every single morning, at least for a little bit, right? Th- they all wake up super early and it's aggravating at times. <laughs> um, last night, Quinn came in at like three and then five and then- You're like, I have to be up in 40 minutes, Quinn. <laughs> like, here I am. <laughs> um, but having the time in the mornings, like it's- it, it, it invigorates me and gets me going mm. to be able to go handle the rest of my day. Whereas I think, man, if I got up at six and was, or was out the door by six and I got home at four, you know, like whatever that, uh, another type of job schedule is, I don't know if I'd enjoy the evenings as much. It's kind of kids are maybe a little more cranky and I'm mm-hmm. cranky from a long day of work and we mm-hmm. like go to bed and whatever. But waking up and the first thing I get to do is, you know, go to the gym with Shelly or hang out with the kids while while she's out doing something or she's there and we get to spend a little bit of time until, you know, 10 or whatever the day is, I think invigorates me and gets me um, gets gets me excited enough to go do the other stuff I need to do. Mm-hmm. 
the other thing is maybe not turning down opportunities. You know, like if I think about um, just in in work-related stuff, um, not shying away from actually going in and, and doing the work. I, you know, you think of service opportunities and um, not turning those down and actually taking them on because the, I think the busiest people are typically the people that'll get a job done. Like if you want to find yeah. somebody to do something, go find the person that doesn't have much time, but they seem to get a lot done. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to be that person. Um, I still don't feel like I am. I mean, you know, like in your daily life, you, you, I'm, I have this book that I started this year. It's uh, like a little, it prompts you to write in a journal and it's, it's on paper and I'll do it. And it says affirmations and I've noticed the past. Is it the five minute journal? Yeah, the Roan. Yeah, yeah. They got it started Roan. Uh-huh. So I had a friend buy it for me um, two years ago, but I was doing a journaling project that year and saved it. And this year um, I'm doing it, but it says affirmations. I find a lot of my notes and little things that I write to myself is I can do it all. And mm. I don't have to sacrifice anything. I can do it all, but I also, I, I try not to freak myself out and stress myself out with having to do it all, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think it's a really productive and tempered approach, right? Like you gotta, you gotta be ambitious, but then not beat yourself up when, when the plan changes, yeah. you know? And I, I always say too, like, if you're incredibly organized, you can be incredibly flexible. So like you have to section your day and like know what's important to you. So when you do that, but then you have the mentality of, okay, this is ideal, but things change, but I have a plan. It's, and you need a plan, well, right? And I guess I would say, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, cause some of the stuff you do by second nature, you don't really yeah. know why, Yeah. but um, I heard, so John Woodfield, his dad, um, I remember gave him some advice one time. It just stuck with me, but he says, you got it. He was really successful um in in business ran a lot of businesses but he's like you got to compartmentalize your life so i always like okay when i'm doing this one thing i'm just going to be focused on that like Mm -hmm. i i get i get super ticked off if i'm doing multiple things at once yeah if i'm watching a show i'm watching a show and everybody in that room i want to be watching the show and enjoying it and then when it's time to go to work i'm going to work but same thing when I'm at home earlier in the day, I'm better. When I get home, yeah. I tend to bring home some work. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I've had a discussion. Oh yeah. Shelley discussion. Had, had a few discussions <laughs> about it. Um, but compartmentalizing your life and like focusing on this task. Cause actually nobody is a good multitasker. Right. Especially men, right? Like yeah. male brain just doesn't multitask well. Mm-mm. Right. Nope. That's cool. I think I think I think you know yourself very well, and I, I appreciate you being candid and open on your leadership journey. And that's one of the main reasons we want to talk to you because you have a way of articulating it to people. And I've I've, I've been kind of a passenger in the car as you've cont- and it's like one year to the next. It doesn't look that different. But man, when I look at like the last ten years and the people that have grown the most, people developed most, people that had the most impact on the business, people who have helped shaped other people's mindset, it's been yours. So thanks for for sharing and let other people hear your brains. So, um, yeah, I promise we wouldn't make you rap, but maybe in the show notes or something, we'll get a couple bars. All right. All right. Thanks, bro. Yeah. That was great. great. Appreciate you being on. Daddy. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, just DM us on Instagram and one of us will reach out about how to join this dynamic opportunity. You want to come be a part of the best sales team, solar team in the industry? Hit us up. 
Sunrun. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.